2: a day podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Packaday Podcast. You can get all your Packaday updates by following us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am here with Andrew murtig Andrew, it is Friday. How how are things going for you?
3: Yeah Kyle always always happy to be back this has been a trying week for for a lot of reasons and hopefully with everything going on in the world you know, that our podcast can serve as a much needed distraction for people. And we certainly aren't a social justice or a political podcast. But I think it does need to be said that there are things that certainly exceed sports. So if we only limit this issue to our sports world and our Packers fandom, there are so many African-American and black athletes who have given so much uh, joy in being able to watch them perform and it would be wrong to ignore the issues going on in our society so we certainly don't need to take a deep dive into this but I, I love the video the Packers put out on Thursday um, it's probably the only actual Packers news that we have right now but um, I would highly recommend for people to check it out if they haven't yet.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully we can come to see this as something that is not a political issue, but a human one. And I think the Packers absolutely knocked their response out of the park. I love that they let their initial statement come from the players. And we got to hear why this matters to them and how it affects so many. And I really thought it was a beautiful message, inviting all to join in listening to those who are different than you and finding ways to love those who are different than you. And then insisting on the change that is really long, long overdue. So props to the Packers in really leading the way with their response uh, but for today's show, jumping back to some football, we will admit that we are in the part of the offseason that's pretty slow. But that doesn't mean that there's not plenty to talk about. There's always another layer of the offseason to peel back and study a little bit closer. And so today we want to start by taking a look not at what the Packers did this offseason, but what their rivals did. Uh, that's right. Andrew and I are going to spend some time over the next couple Fridays digging deep into the off seasons of the Vikings the Bears, and the Lions. The Packers play six games against divisional rivals every single year, and so we thought it would be worth our time and yours to put these three NFC North teams under the microscope a little bit and talk about their free agent additions and subtractions, their draft picks, and then discuss whether or not these rivals of the Pack got better or worse during this 2020 offseason. Yeah, I think it's kind of interesting.
3: Last year, I, I looked back at our scripts from a year ago, and we actually started on the exact same week of the offseason going through this. And we spent six weeks last year. We, we did a one week on each of the divisional opponents. And then we did um, three other non-divisional games uh, over the course of, of the next three weeks. And we're planning to do that again this year. And and one of the things that I really appreciated about doing that is each game during the season, um, I was very familiar with that team's roster, the changes they had made. Sometimes it's easy as an aggregate. Like you think about the draft of who the Packers picked and who everybody else picks. And you don't necessarily recognize individual teams drafts. Uh, you might gloss over, you know, maybe, m- maybe, you know, the first, pick or two they had but but very rarely do you get to go in depth so this is a really fun activity for me i think it really helps to get prepared for the season so um we are actually going to be starting with the minnesota vikings this week and the vikings are coming off a 10 and 6 season that ended with an upset of the new orleans saints and a beat down by the san francisco 49ers in the divisional round so the vikings looked really strong for a long time and then they kind of ran into a buzzsaw against the packers late in season Got beat, lost lost the opportunity to win the division, and then, you know, they surprised a lot of people in that Saints game. Uh, And then, I I think, kind of lived up to expectations against the 49ers.
2: Yeah, so we want to start really by taking a look at the Vikings' free agency period. And I want to start with the subtractions um, for this roster, their losses. And the most viable and visible loss for the Vikings was probably Stefan Diggs. And it had been long reported that Diggs wanted out of Minnesota and that he and Kirk Cousins were not the best of pairings. So Diggs finally got his wish this offseason with the Vikings sending him to Buffalo and Josh Allen for pick 22 overall in the first round. And then, of course, we have to talk about defensive end Everson Griffin, who is still a free agent to this point. So technically, the Vikings have not yet lost Griffin he could still come back and sign with the team. And Rick Spielman has said, never say never when asked about a possible reunion with Everson. But Griffin did say goodbye to the Vikings and their fans on his Instagram when he opted out of his contract this spring. So we'll just kind of have to wait and see where he lands. But it seems as of right now that the Vikings will be without Griffin in 2020. Uh, Lindball Joseph was released by the Vikings to free up $10 million in cap space. Uh, Joseph signed with the Chargers The Vikings also released offensive guard Josh Klein and Andrew Sendejo signed with the Browns on a one-year deal, which I know absolutely breaks Andrew's heart. Uh, It's always (laughs) devastating. It's always uh, good to see players who wish injury on other players leave the division. We're not going to be upset about that. Uh, But then we have to talk about the absolute fire sale that the Vikings saw at the cornerback position and maybe one of the bigger names to be released was Xavier Rhodes, the cornerback, which frees up $8 million in cap space for the Vikings. Rhodes is now on a cheap one year prove it deal with the Colts. And then Mackenzie Alexander and Trey Waynes decided they wanted to keep playing together, just not with the Vikings. Um, and who can blame them? They are both now members of the Cincinnati Bengals. Alexander is on a one year prove it deal, but Waynes signed a hefty three year, $42 million deal. Couldn't be me on that contract, but the Vikings clearly had some losses uh, this offseason, but they also made some really nice additions um, when you consider all things. So before we get into those additions, I really want to ask you, Andrew, do any of these departures stick out to you? Uh, Because I'm just curious, of these subtractions, who do you think is going to hurt the Vikings the most in the long term? Yeah, I mean, the the answer is Stefan Diggs,
3: right? Like, just really straightforward. He's the best player that they've lost. But when when you think about it, it's easier to replace a wide receiver than a lot of other positions. And and the Vikings already have a pretty good one in Adam Thielen. And, you know, potentially they, they did some things we'll talk about later uh, to to make up some of that ground. So maybe they didn't take as big of a step back in the passing game. But at one point in the offseason, the Vikings only had two cornerbacks on their entire roster. So if so you talk about Rhodes and, and Alexander and Trey Waynes leaving... And I think Holton Hill, who was a fifth round pick last year, was like their number one corner. And the other player, I'm not sure how many snaps he'd actually taken, but it it was not a lot. And so, um, yeah, I was throwing some barbs at some Vikings fans before the (laughs) draft that like, who is your cornerback room um, at this point? So uh, for a defensive head coach, that put them in quite the precarious situation for having to address that massive hole through either free agency where they really were struggling to find cap room. You talked about some of the cuts they made. They had to make those cuts to, to make room on their team, or they had to do it through the draft. And one side note, last week I said, Kevin King is going to cost the Packers a lot of money. That Trey Wayne's deal. <laughs> is, like, Kevin King is better than Trey Wayne's. I, you can say whatever you want. but um, So, yeah, expect that to be a big deal. But anyways, the, the point is... Yeah, Xavier Rhodes wasn't as good as he he was prior. You know, he was not prime Xavier Rhodes last year. He was actually a little bit of a joke. Um, but losing him, losing Mackenzie Alexander, losing Trey Waynes, that that's rough, man. I I don't know how a team handles that. Yeah, it,
2: it's a, it's a tough transition, and obviously uh, Jerry Gray coming over to the Packers, and that transition paired with all of these exits, it certainly seems like the Vikings knew kind of how bad they were at the position uh, decided to hold on to their safeties and we'll get into that here in a minute but really you know, the purging of the coach and then all these players it's really a rebuild there uh, around some young talent um, going forward so it will be interesting to see how that plays out for the Vikings getting into 2020 here Uh, but they did as I said made some really nice additions to fill some of these holes and kind of do some patchwork around Uh, as Andrew said they had to kind of get creative with the cap numbers to make it all work but um, I mentioned the loss of Linville Joseph and that left a big hole in the roster. But to fill that hole, Minnesota brought over defensive tackle Michael Pierce. Uh, Pierce is a really good run defender and a player that many Packers fans coveted this offseason. He's going to be a really good addition for this team that struggled to run, uh, stop the run rather, at times last season. Pierce's deal is worth nine million dollars a year over three years uh, but it is more team-friendly than those numbers sound I know a lot of people were critical of that dollar amount when it came out but it's really not that bad of a deal when you look at it some other outside additions that the Vikings brought in uh, were wide receiver Tajay Sharp Sharp was added before the draft but clearly, this was a move that was made with the Stephon Diggs departure in mind. Uh, they also signed journeyman defensive end Anthony Zettel to a one-year deal, probably hoping that he can take some of those snaps that Everson Griffin potentially leaves behind. Uh, they also made some other interesting re-signings on this team. The Vikings just kind of like to give out three-year extensions when you look at this. So uh, Dan Bailey gets a three-year contract. Fullback C.J. Ham gets a three-year contract. Bunter, Britton Colquitt, gets a three-year contract. So they wanted these guys around, apparently, for the foreseeable future. Got those guys some extensions done, some re-signings there. And then um, probably one of the most interesting and biggest moves Minnesota made this offseason was in giving Anthony Harris, the safety, the franchise tag. Uh, The deal will give Harris $11 million in 2020. Uh, But the Vikings have only used the tag twice in their history And both of those players both ended up getting long-term deals to keep them with the team. So that's kind of the expectation here with Harris as well. They intend for him to be a part of this team for the future, well beyond this one-year franchise tag, which is a real bummer because he is a very good ascending player. And having a duo of Harris and Harrison Smith is really annoying as Packer fans. But um, we finally have to talk about the Vikings. Uh, putting a second-round tender on linebacker Eric Wilson, which no one was going to touch, but Wilson is a young player and actually graded out better than Anthony Barr, uh, according to Pro Football Focus last season. So uh, take that for what it's worth. But it will be really interesting to see if Wilson has a growing role for this team going forward because that is a big commitment to him. But lots of moving pieces on this roster. Obviously some big losses, but some nice patchwork. Uh, to keep this team moving in a good direction as far as roster building goes.
3: Yeah, and it's interesting. Vikings fans claim that they win the offseason every single year, uh, but it would be hard to find somebody who thought the roster got any better through just free agency and and the trade market. You have massive losses with Stephon Diggs and the corners that we talked about. I actually think, he f- think franchising Anthony Harris was a little rich. I don't know that, you know... he. he to me, he he had one really, really, really strong ear, and now you're being forced to pay him like a premium safety when you'd rather have a little bit more of a background in order to justify a deal like that. I love Michael Pierce, and he's a really good player, and I think Tajay Sharp can be a contributor, but you lose Limbal Joseph, you lose Everson Griffin. Um, you know that that's that's something that I think is is going to help as a Packer fan to be a little bit more optimistic about the matchups
2: with Minnesota. Yeah, so I was just going to say off the top of my head, I'm, I'm with you on the Anthony Harris thing. I thought it was really interesting because I thought of all the dollar amounts that they had to move around this offseason. I thought that he was the player that they would let walk uh, just to make the other pieces fit. They obviously saw that very differently off the top of my head. I think Anthony Harris is still 25 years old. So for the Vikings, I think they saw that one year of production and they saw an opportunity to maybe pay him on a one year deal and kind of a rental to see if this player is who we think he is and then make that maybe a long term investment. It'll be more interesting to me if they commit the money this year without getting that you know, reinforcement of his performance, Uh, but we'll see how that works out. But I was interested when I saw that it really does look like when the Vikings tag a player, they intend uh, to get a long-term deal done. They don't really do uh, these, you know, tag and tag and just kind of drag them along kind of deals. Uh, At least that's what the intention looks like with what it is with Harris. So we will see, but um, yeah, I'm curious uh, to, to hear your thoughts on what they did in the draft here.
3: Well, yeah, and that's what we're going to get to next. The Vikings obviously had two first-round picks, and and they did some wheeling, and they did did some dealing, and they, they ended up with a ton of draft picks. So bear with me. Well, I go through everybody that they selected. So, you know, in the first round, they ended up with wide receiver Justin Jefferson from LSU. All Packer fans are super jealous. I, I had said like a week or two in advance, the Vikings are taking Jefferson. So just stop <laughs> thinking he's a good player right now. Um, and sure enough, that's exactly what happened. He fell right into their laps. Um, at the end of the first round, they, they had traded back into the 31st spot and they get cornerback Jeff Gladney from TCU. In the second, they got offensive tackle Ezra Cleveland from Boise State. In the third, they grabbed another cornerback, Cameron Dantzler from Mississippi State. On the fourth round, they get a bunch of defensive front seven players. DJ Wanham, that uh, defensive end from South Carolina. Defense tackle James Lynch from Baylor. Linebacker Troy Dye from Oregon. In the fifth, they had two more uh, draft picks. Cornerback Harrison Hand from Temple. Wide receiver KJ Osborne from Miami. Two sixth rounders. uh, We won't necessarily go through everybody. And then four seventh rounders. So that is a total of two, four, six, eight... 10, 12, 14, 15 players, Kyle. That's a big draft class. Yeah, That's a pretty Um, big class, yeah. Yeah, that's massive. Uh, And the Vikings clearly were drafting for need, which is typically not a great strategy, but they used some great trade downs to acquire a ton of picks and find the player that they really wanted. Jefferson is going to be a pain because he's a really great route runner. He has good hands. He's better than you think athletically. Now, he's not Stephon Diggs. And and that is important to remember. He's much better than what they were facing going into the offseason. But but at the same point, he's not going to step in as a rookie and and clone the production of Stefan Diggs. They're going to have to find somebody else to to do that. Maybe it's a combination of him and Tajay Sharp. Maybe they run the ball a little bit more. Who knows? Uh, But Jeff Gladney is a pest, a playmaker, and the kind of dude you want on your team, I think he's a perfect fit for what Mike Zimmer is looking for. But... He's cornerback one on their depth chart right now as a rookie. And and I, I think you know you gotta be a little bit nervous about that if you're a Minnesota fan. Ezra Cleveland is a guy, you know, there's a lot of links to him in Green Bay. And I said right away, he should not see the field in year one. He's just not ready physically uh, to handle. Pass rusher. Now, maybe against the Packers, we want to see him, um, especially with, you know, Z'Darrius Smith lining up against him. That that I would be okay with. But if you're a Viking fan, you're hoping Ezra Cleveland kind of gets a red shirt. He is oozing potential and is a long-term answer at OT. I think he's an awesome value in the second. I like Dantzler. Don't love him. I, I think he's a little too limited athletically uh, for, for what I would like to see. Um, DJ Wanham and James Lynch are both guys who are highly productive but don't have really any athletic traits to write home about in fact I look back and, and DJ Wanham uh, I had a bunch of question marks like why do people like him <laughs> uh, I believe my analysis said something like not fast not twitchy no bend uh limited pass rush moves like I I I don't know what what you saw as a value in the fourth round, but that's interesting. Anyways, um, they may end up being great glue guys. I know Lynch is going to be fantastic in the locker room. The Baylor coach has raved about James Lynch, but they are both gonna have to win with technique because neither one, as I said, is very impressive from an athletic standpoint. If Troy Dye is healthy, the linebacker from Oregon, he's a top fifty pick a great value with their depth at linebacker that's going to give him a chance to really ease into his pro career I like Harrison Hand the corner from Temple better than Dansler, who they took in the third round I think he's got a chance to be started a starter early in his career and maybe out of necessity because I don't know who else the Vikings are going to play there uh and then you know jumping to the seventh round I really like Kenny Willicks from um the uh from Michigan State and I could see him having like a 10-year career where he's just a guy you can rely on he goes out there he plays with a toughness and effort that is going to make us hate seeing him on the field uh especially in purple and then you get nate stanley the quarterback from iowa in the seventh round he is like an enemy of the state in wisconsin i don't know if you know this guy's story he he grew up in menominee wisconsin which is on the the minnesota border ironically uh and wisconsin football was going through a little bit of an identity crisis with gary anderson as the head coach so they just let him walk he was, he should have been a Badger, but he, he didn't. So he goes to Iowa and he has a really, really good career, a uh, bit, bit of a pain in the butt for the Badgers. And now he finds himself a Viking. So uh, he might have what it takes to carve out a career as a backup in the NFL. Seems like a really heady guy, De- decent physical tools. He's, he's not a good athlete from a, a moving around the pocket, but, but, you know, functional, good arm strength, um, smart guy. I, he, and and a lot of experience playing the Big Ten, so I'm I'm certainly rooting for him as a Wisconsinite. But we'll we'll see what the Vikings get out of that.
2: Oh, that's a really interesting nugget on Nate Stanley. I'm glad you said that. That's that's really interesting uh, background, especially to see that kind of rivalry continue now with the Packers and the the Vikings. There, I'm gonna say something here, and, and it pains me to say just how much I like the Vikings draft class. But before I get into a couple more of my thoughts, I think there are two players that better not listen to this podcast this week, and that's DJ Wonham because he's not going to be really happy with how you've evaluated <laughs> him. But also Mike Hughes, because uh, you anointed uh, Mr. Gladney CB1, and Mike Hughes is going to be really upset with you. So we'll just, we'll Mike Hughes that, even see the field last year? Um, he, he, he played a decent amount of snaps for the Vikings last year. I think they're hoping that he... Uh, takes a step forward to be uh is there is there some player. tape of him like almost off screen while Devontae Adams is running in the end zone? <laughs> Maybe Aaron Jones running over him? I don't know. I, All right, so so Andrew's not very high on Mike Hughes. I'm just throwing that out there. I don't know that Mike Hughes is going to tune in, but you can tweet at us, dude, if you do. Um, but it, like I said, I love this trap this draft class for the Vikings. I thought they did a really nice job with some things. Um, obviously many Packers fans love Justin Jefferson, and so the, that selection was a gut punch. We kind of prepared. Cared for. We knew it was a possibility, uh, but they continue to add good players throughout the draft. And I thought they got really good value in Oregon's Troy Die and Ezra Cleveland was not a player that I wanted in Green Bay. I'm fine with him being a Viking, but the Vikings got a player um, with Brian O'Neill that was a similar developmental player, uh, had the same kind of concerns. So they went back to the well there with Cleveland. So we'll see if it works out. And I think it's worth noting that Minnesota can save $12 million by releasing Riley Reef next offseason. So, as Andrew said, Ezra is clearly the plan going forward, and I think this is a really good draft class, and the Vikings got great value in this class for sure. Yeah, and it's
3: funny. With Ezra Cleveland and Brian O'Neill, the Vikings have the potential to have the most athletic tackle duo in the entire league for sure, and, it, you know, the jury's still out. Are, are those guys going to be more like Teron Armstead, who is an athletically gifted guy who turned into an elite-level tackle? Or are they going to be like Jason Spriggs? And, you know, you don't know. It, it, that That's that's the interesting part about the draft. But um, we wanted to talk a little bit about did the Vikings get better or worse? Um, and for me personally, I thought they got a little worse. Uh, they have a massive problem because they're paying their quarterback, franchise quarterback money, but he's never going to give you those results. And I, I think the rest of the team should be really good, but they're going to have to gel on defense very quickly. There's a lot of moving parts here. And as good as I think Justin Jefferson is, I don't see any way he's going to come close to replacing the production of Stephon Diggs. And that's going to put a lot of pressure on Adam Thielen to now officially grab that number one wide receiver title and and try to like carry the team with all of the defense's focus directly on him.
2: Yeah, as much as I love this draft, I don't think that this is a team that got a ton better for especially 2020, if Minnesota really does lose Everson Griffin, I think that that's huge. Um, a huge loss for their pass rush and their defensive line. Obviously, keeping Anthony Harris is huge for this defense. And their starting safeties are some of the best in the league. So that's that's incredible for them. But their cornerback group is an absolute mess right now. Even if you don't consider them to be good players, losing Trey Waynes, Mackenzie Alexander, and Xavier Rhodes in the same offseason... It's absolutely nuts. The fact that they all got out the door at the exact same time is crazy. Um, Yeah, they added Jeff Gladney and Cameron Dantzler in this draft class um, hand as well. But when you only have one returning guy in Mike Hughes who played about half the defensive snaps in 2019, so he's not even considered one of your starting guys. Uh, PFF ranked him as the 78th cornerback. So he's not a guy that you know exactly what you're going to get. That would make me nervous if I was a Vikings fan. They might get some uh, things to gel with this group later in the season. But I am personally a okay with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams getting to match up with this cornerback group in week two and getting to play them early in the season. Uh, And then on offense, just kind of flipping over to that side, as much as I love Justin Jefferson, I'm not sure that you can think he's better than Stephon Diggs, as Andrew said um at least right away he may be down the road but uh, i'm not convinced that this is a team that got better for 2020 i like a lot of their moves long term but i think if this team gets better this year it's not because of the moves that they made this offseason uh the new moves it will be because of big leaps from guys like garrett bradbury irv smith jr and guys like mike hughes that we've mentioned i'm not necessarily down on what the vikings did I think they're just, you know, they're a talented roster, but I think especially early in the season, there are going to be some glaring holes in this team that they'll really have to work to mask as these players settle in and grow into their roles. Yeah, and uh,
3: the matchups between the Vikings and the Packers, um, you, you said week two, and I know why you said week two, because I had a typo. They played the the Vikings week two last year, but the Packers and Vikings actually open up the season yes, in Minnesota, right. yes. uh, week one Sunday at noon. So that'll be interesting, and That's then they right. jump back to Lambo on November first for week seven. So uh, both those matchups, uh, we we think, you know, the the Packers, Vikings, Bears are going to be jostling for position uh, atop the NFC North. Um, both of those matchups are in the first seven weeks, so that's that's a little different than what we've seen in the last few years where those Packer-Vikings matchups typically uh, were towards the back end of the season. So, So that'll be really interesting.
2: Yeah, absolutely. This is a team that I think is always going to be a team that you have to fight through. Um, We, you know, we give the Vikings a hard time. I think they're like a hated rival uh, for most Packers fans. But I think, you know, you have to take this team seriously. They show up every single year and they're always a team that's a threat to the Packers. So uh, interesting to see how all these moves kind of filter out and we see what comes of this. But an interesting offseason for the Vikings for sure. So,
3: one thing crossed my mind while we were recording this, Kyle, and that is that last year when we recorded the Vikings podcast, uh, the Packaday podcast Twitter, uh, as well as I think Cheesehead TV's website said, you know, a, a breakdown of the Vikings offseason. Aaron Nagler retweeted it just simply with the word gross. <laughs> so, that's what we're aiming for this year. Can we get that again?
2: Absolutely. We will take... Any kind of publicity, honestly. So, like, I mean, we (laughs) specifically target those kind of words just to get that kind of publicity. So, appreciate it, Aaron. Give us another retweet, man. Uh,
3: But that is all the time that we have for today. This has been Packer Day Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. And you can find me at Andrew Murtick. Remember to also follow at Packer Day Podcast. Give us a like. Uh, or rate us or subscribe us uh, on whatever your favorite podcast platform is. We would really, really appreciate it. You can catch Kyle and myself every Friday. Next week we'll be back to continue our conversation on the Packers 2020 opponents. Thanks for listening, and as always, remember.